the Headset Podcast, where we talk to elite athletes, coaches, and sport executives. They share with us not only some of the behind-the-scenes stories of what goes on in professional and elite sports today, but more importantly, they share with us some of the secrets of how they get their headset to perform. said podcast. I'm just so sorry that we have not been able to stay on it. We've had a ton of different things happen during this coronavirus, which have been uh, in some ways kind of good, if that makes sense. We've been able to interview some incredible people. Our warehouse of interviews has grown and grown and grown. And um, what we have coming down the pipe for you guys is going to be some really entertaining interesting stuff. Today, I have someone that we spoke to about four or five weeks ago, and he is an incredible wealth of information and doing some incredible things uh, as one of the longest standing NBA trainers uh, today. Our guest is the one and only Marco Nunez, and Marco has spent 20 years in the National Basketball Association. 12 of those years are with a little team that some of you may have heard of called uh, the L.A. Lakers, a.k.a. The Lake Show. This gentleman is going to talk to us about some of the ups and downs and rigors he's been through as an NBA trainer, working with some of the most elite athletes on the planet. And to be quite honest, some of the elite athletes that have ever even played in the National Basketball Association. Marco is a wealth of knowledge. He's also a gentleman that's going to be sharing with us one of the programs that he is trying to get going for young basketball players who are going to be traveling abroad. What do I mean by that? Well, Marco has come up with a real interesting idea, and that is how to provide almost concierge training, medical advice, and medical attention for athletes that may be traveling across seas, playing in Europe, playing in international tournaments, international events, and need access to people they know, they trust, and they work with, and they also have a history with, so that they can be properly diagnosed and properly assessed, so that not only can they get back to play, but potentially avoid career-ending injuries. Marco Nunez is a guy that I'm so lucky to have come across, befriended, and have become part of the Headset Sports team as one of our go-to people in the world of sports science and sport medicine. I hope you'll enjoy this incredible story of this man's journey into becoming one of the top trainers in the NBA, as well as his experience in other sports as he shares with us how he cut his teeth in pro sports, which allowed him to work with some of the best of all time the National Basketball Association. I look forward to you giving us feedback and sharing with us some of your insights as you hear what Marco shares. And just to remind you, Headset Sports also does Instagram Live interviews every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And you can hear the one and only uh, Dr. Peter Papadjanis interview live some incredible athletes, coaches, and even sport executives. So if you're into some of the people that we're talking to, you like the things that we're sharing, please check out Peter and um, you'll enjoy some of his interviews. They're absolutely incredible people. Talk to you soon. All right, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Headset Podcast. Today I have someone cool, someone new, and someone very unique that's going to be chatting with us today. I have the one and only Mr. Marco Nunez. Marco, thank you for being here and talking with me. You bring something so cool, so new and diverse into our world. You bring 20 years of professional sports working as an athletic trainer, and 12 of which with this little team that's kind of good they were purple and gold and and maybe you could tell me because i don't know i really don't know why 
I, but I, I, you might be able to tell me, can you tell me why this team is called the Lakers? Do you even know? Yes, I do. Well, the reason why they're called the Lakers um, yeah. is that because they originated in Minneapolis. And in Minneapolis, as most people know, are the Great Lakes. So hence they were called the Lakers. And then they moved to Los Angeles and they kept the name, which is it's kind of kind of neat connection that they did because, you know, nowadays, most people, when they migrate or they move, they completely change and lose a name. Um, but now, obviously, there is a new team out there in Minneapolis, and I believe those there are called the Timberwolves. Yeah. But that's why the Lakers are called the Lakers. Not, right. not because we have lakes here in L.A., but because they're mm-hmm. from Minneapolis. You, you, with me right now, you can just drop the mic and get off the stage. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> Gee, this is great. You know, I have so many questions for you, um, and, and I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy day to, 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 to chat with me. I can only dream and imagine the things that you have seen and you have experienced in pro sports because you have experienced and and, and amazing things. Basketball, arena football, ice hockey. I'm going to be dying to ask you this. Like, who are the most challenging athletes to have to work with? And you can you can say that in, in, you can answer that in many ways, right? You can answer that in, in, in terms of, of, of personality, um, but maybe even quality quality of diverse injuries. I'm wondering, like, who who are some of the more difficult sports to work with? Um, you know what? It, it, the, the thing about working with with the variety of sports, it, it, it's so weird how the, sometimes the personalities or the cultures within the, the sports are different. Hockey players are a different beast, so to speak, different area. Then you have um, arena football, or football players in general are a whole different element. Then you have basketball players, and, and, and then you have major league baseball players type of thing. Well, one of the things, you know, having the opportunity to work in three different different sports and, and different levels is I was able to see different personalities, different cultures, different rituals, how they operate, how does a hockey player operate, how does a, a, a NBA athlete, a basketball player operate, how does a football, an arena football player operate. Uh, operates what what makes them tick so so to speak um and, and it's it's so different and, and one of the qualities or one of the things as far as being an athletic trainer or work you know if you, you know working in, in in those specific sports you have to quickly learn that and understand the dynamics uh, it's very hard to to come in into a team and think hey you know what i already know my way i'm gonna kind of do my thing but no you, a lot of times one of the most important things as an athletic trainer as a physical therapist as a coach and stuff like that something you have to kind of go in there and just say who am i working with um, who are my personnel? As I say in sports, um, you always have to know who you're, you have to know your team and you have to know your personnel. Same thing applies to athletic training. Um, you have to know who you work with because the way you treat one athlete isn't the same way you're going to treat or approach a different athlete. Um, different dynamics, different mindsets, different attitudes, different approaches to the game, different approaches to the injuries, different approaches to life in general, um, because they come from, from different backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different, you know, stuff like that, that you cannot treat. You know, in, in sports medicine, there's a saying is that you always treat the individual first before you treat the injured. And that is almost a primary thing. Um, and, and people that kind of tend to forget that and they're more focused on treating the injury and, and neglecting the athlete or the individual, don't get much success. Wow. I, you know, I think that's such a brilliant line that you just put out there. It, it, it's a brilliant line. And, and you know, uh, one of the things for, for, for me that, that I, I just do naturally, and I think I've, I've always done uh, as a kid even, is whenever someone's told me something or shared something with me, I, I've tried to reciprocate the understanding of, of what their, their situation, story, example, whatever it may be, is by giving a personal reference for myself by saying, so I understand you like this. What you're saying is gold. Like, like it is so important um, because it, it's, it's truly everything when, when you think about it. I remember a few years ago, I had a chance to talk to some of the students who were studying to become certified athletic trainers or athletic trainer certified mm-hmm. um, to say it properly. Uh, about what it's like on, on the mental and emotional side when they're going out to treat somebody yeah. and, and, and just being, you know, cognitively aware that, that you're not running to an, in, an injury, you're running to an individual. 
and, and, and just your facial expressions, your physical expressions, when you go out there to, to help treat somebody is huge, huge, right? And are you aware of that? Are you, are you aware of how huge that is? Because that person lying down on the ground, that person who's, who's in pain is looking at you and, and hoping you're going to give them some some resemblance of a of a of a feeling of, 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 a, of a hope something that everything's gonna be okay and and, and and that's where as, as you come in and say you got to remember you're treating a person and, and and know that person like i i i can't even imagine the cross references of injuries you've experienced in your time and 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 because of your professionalism and, and everything you've gone through, please don't don't think in any way, shape, or form. We, I want names, but could you maybe share like an injury that you experienced that made you feel like, wow, this is this is not good. This is going to be a tough one to come back from. Um, as as far as the injury wise, one of the the most toughest injuries are. are um, and, you know, the athlete was able to come back. Um, you know, if I describe the injury, people are going to kind of figure it out. But the, the, the individual or the, or the injury that occurred to this individual, I think, was a, a good person because he had the right mindset. We had a young player um, that we just drafted. Um, I think might have drafted like third or fourth. First NBA game. Very first NBA game. Third quarter. Goes up for a layup and fractures his, his uh, tibia bone. So now he's out. Um the, the interesting part is that he's laying there. We, you know, he's, you know, you would imagine most of the times that the athlete would be like rolling side to side, yelling and screaming. He, just, he, he sits there and lays down, holds his, his knee, holds his tibia. We approach him right off the bat. He already knew what happened. He's like, hey, Marco, I broke my tibia. We're like, how do you know that? And I'm like, I'm like, comment. So I'm, I'm kind of addressing to him. I was assistant athlete trainer at the time. Gary Vitor, head trainer, goes in and goes right to the injury side, goes to need to look at it. And Right away, as, as, he, as he, he just grabs his tibia, you can feel his bone kind of just shaking type of thing. The kid was just nice, calm, collective type of thing. Um, but out of everybody, I felt that he was one of the – and I don't wish upon him to talk anything about that, but he was kind of like – he was in the right mindset. He knew that he was going to come back. You know, most, most athletes, first year in, in professional sports, major – I mean, this is a huge injury. He had to get whole entire thing – restructured first thoughts is my career even done i haven't even completed a single game in my professional career am i officially now done um you know you know he had the right mindset i'm sure he went through his mind a lot of times he would come in for treatments he, he did he, you know he did what he needed to do now he's i believe in his sixth year um playing unfortunately playing somewhere else with another nba team but he's he's killing it he's great he he, he, he you know he came out great at the end so, so I, I know easily you and I talking, and I said this just before we started. I mean, you and I are, would be deadly together because once we get rolling, a cup of coffee between the two of us, forget about it. Yeah. Our, our wives would be calling saying, where the heck are you, right? It's been two days. Um, but I, I think what I, to get things rolling, I, I want to kind of dial back a little bit and, and, and ask you, how, how did you get into this? Like, like, what inspired you to get into this world of training and working with athletes in, in this, in this world? What was it that, that said, this is what I want to do? So, you know, I, I originally went, I attended uh, Cal Poly Pomona as a, uh, for my undergrad. I initially went there to study and become a civil engineer. I did it for about a, a year and a half to two years. In my second year, I realized, you know what, this is not what I want to do. I didn't picture myself being in a cubicle in an office kind of type environment. Um, I've always played sports. I've always had a passion um, for medicine. I just wasn't quite sure what level of medicine or what area type thing. Um, I was attending a uh, kind of leadership conference on campus. The keynote speaker was our head athletic trainer at Cal Poly. His name was Kai Googler. He spoke about what he did, who he was, and stuff like that. And that kind of just fascinated me. I'm like, hey, this, this is, I had never heard about athletic training prior to this. And so I decided to kind of shout in for a week. It allowed me. And then after that, it was a done deal. Switch major to kinesiology. Hey, I'm going to athletic training, going to sports medicine. Then, um, you know, 
I'm a type A personality, type, type of individual. You, you tell me I can't do it, I'm going to go to prove you wrong. So as I'm going through my years in, in undergrad, you know, all the seniors or the fourth year, fifth year graduates, you know, they're all talking about, hey, you know, where you, you know, working at the professional level is the most difficult thing you could do. It's impossible to get into, blah, 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 this and that, which, you know, to some extent it is. In my mind, I'm like, all right, well, you're just telling me that I can't do this. So I'm going to go do it. Yeah, I love it. Um, so it, that's where I kind of, I, I set myself, hey, you know what, my ultimate goal is to, my long-term goal is to eventually be a head athletic trainer at the professional level. I hadn't decided whether it was NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, my goal was, hey, that's where I want to be, that's what, the, the, where I want to reach, I need to take the steps that I need to do. Um, I do. Also, I did also realize, hey, you know what, it's not going to be an easy easy trip. It's not going to be an easy climb, but I got to start somewhere. And that's kind of where I, I think first started with the Long Beach Archlocks and slowly more our way through the LA Avengers. Um, then eventually with the LA Sparks and the LA Defenders and finally with the uh, LA Lakers. And that's where I ended up. Wow. I mean, the, the turn that you do is huge, right? Like, I mean, what, what I am so admiring of when you share your story is I think we both would agree that we know so many people who went to school, they got a degree and now are doing nothing compared to what they studied. Right? Like it, it, it couldn't be more opposite. Right? It would be now in the real world compared to what they studied. And, and, and I think that in my life, in my livelihood, you kind of are an albino tiger in that you're one of the few who's actually doing what you studied to do, right? Besides the people that you and I know that, that went on a graduate program where they, they defined earlier in their academic, mm-hmm. this is what I'm going to do, blah, 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 right? And, and now they're getting the specialty. But, but I just think it's amazing how, especially in the environment that you're in, Cal Poly, that's a, a group, that's an environment where people are pretty focused. They have an idea of where they're going when they get there. And to be able to make that change and excel in it, man, my hat's off to you, buddy. That's incredible. So I got to ask you, what is it like? What was it like? What has it been like working with NBA athletes? Because you, you, you mentioned something that's really dear to my heart and, and that is knowing the individual and, and, and something that you said earlier which really really struck a chord with me is in different sports that you're with so 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 hockey arena football basketball that's three different monkeys three different mm-hmm. animals from the jungle and and i can only talk about my my hockey monkeys that i grew up with and and they're a different they're a different animal in their own right. What was it like dealing with, with these elite athletes at, at, at the NBA? What, what, what kind of people are they? Or what's it like? Uh, I mean, no, they're, they're all great individuals. They're all great people. Um, it, you know, it was, it was kind of interesting as far as, you know, working with them. And, and, and there was kind of like a, an, an understanding that, yes, you are working with professional athletes. My job here is to keep them at their peak performance and keep them on the court because at, at the end of the day, their job is to perform and to be able to play the game. At the same time, I understand they're human beings and I understand that, you know, I, I can't take that, that element away from it. And, you know, what I tell people when they always ask me, hey, you know, you, you knew Kobe Bryant, you knew Larry Nance, you knew Meta World Peace, you knew uh, Luke Walton, stuff like that. But we're working with these individuals it's not only just a working relationship because you do get to know them personally. You get to know their spouses, their significant others, their kids, their nieces. They kind of bring it out. You know, they, they, they come to the game. Um, so, so it becomes more of a of a, a friendship type of environment where you know I, I also students I was trying to say yeah you know I, I work with them, but at the same time I see them more than just the athletes. You know, um, they're, they're I consider them my friends. You know, we we'll go out to dinner. They'll invite. Their birthday, you know, his birthday party type of thing. So there's a relationship, um, but it, it's very difficult to try to keep that balance between professional and relationship, um, you know, kind of friendship type of thing. You know, and, and as an as an athletic trainer, as a head athletic trainer, sometimes you have to make big decisions, and sometimes that's why you know 
you have sit at that chair and you have to decide, hey, you know, when, when a player comes to you and say, you know what, blah, 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 because you know my kid, but yeah, we got to do this, some of this, you got to be able to sit there and say, hey, you know what, you got to separate that, that, that really friendship relationship from the business aspect. And, and, and it's very difficult how to do that type of thing. You know, when I was first starting out, there was a, a doctor out of Riverside that mentioned to me that, you know, medicine or sports medicine, or any type of medicine in general, there's two elements to it. There's the science behind it and the art. The science, you go to school, you learn, you study, you get certifications, classes, blah, blah, it's easy to learn. The art of how to perform it is the most difficult part to do because there are no books out there. There is no degree you can get out there to teach you. A lot of times you learn it as you go along. Um, you will make mistakes. I've made plenty of mistakes uh, in the process as long as you learn from it. But the art is one of the key elements you have to learn how to be able to manage. It's amazing what you say. Um, you know, I have a dear friend of mine that, that came into my life and um, he, he set a record. He was uh, the tr athletic trainer um, for a major league baseball team for a little over 25 years. And, and, and his record was uh, being in this one team for over 25 years. And, and you touched on something which is so difficult that, that um, you are forced to deal with as part of your job. And, and that's making those medical assessments. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he would share with me uh, a lot was those tough scenarios of, like you said, one minute we're, we're buddy, buddy in the training room and, and we're working together as a team. But then two seconds later, I mean, your professional uh, opinion, your professional stature, status, is put into call when, when the powers of, that be at the higher level come in and say, so where are we at with this person? Sure. And that's got to be so difficult. You know, um, he shared with me stories of guys he knew that were, were coming to the end of their career. And somehow or another, they got lucky to, to maybe have another shot and they would end up at his doorstep, right? The team would say, hey, we're looking at so-and-so, right? We want you to give a diagnosis of where's his shoulder, where's his knee, right? And, and I, I can't even imagine how difficult that must be. And, and, and you must have been in scenarios like that, I'm sure, dozens of times. Oh, yeah, it, 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 it's very common, um, you know, especially when they're um, the, the, the here's the hardest part to also is that when you build a relationship with these athletes and they become your friends, now they're on the trading block and oh. management comes to you and say, hey, we're looking at trading so and so. I need to put a report together, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you work, uh, you know, a week or so to, to get this whole report ready to go. And at the same time, you start working with the athlete and, and the athletes know that, hey, the trade, trade, the trade. Uh, the trade deadline is coming up and they're all like, hey, am I going to get traded? And Marco, please, you know, okay, am I going to get traded? Kind of thing. Because then there's a whole family aspect behind it also. Hey, not only does the athlete have to go, they have kids and, and wife and, and stuff. Now they, that's kind of, kind of, what are they going to do type of thing? So, so it's tough because you're, you're in a position and, and, and as an athletic trainer at that position, you, you got to be able to balance both and, and kind of understand, hey, Yes, there's a business aspect of it, and sometimes that may trump the friendship aspect. But at the end, you know, how do you do? How do you incorporate all that into the environment, into your decision making? It's got it's got to be so tough. It's 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 got to be so tough, right? Um, because heaven forbid you have a long lasting relationship with the person, as you said, as a friend, mm -hmm. right? And 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 I gotta think it's got to be so difficult. Um, in those scenarios where you might know something professionally, mm -hmm. maybe the athlete doesn't. And, and I don't even know what that's like. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking of some of the things that you've now put my head and in, in my, my mind into now that, that, that I, I didn't even prepare myself for in talking to you. Um, but, but now this has come to my brain and I got to ask you, we were talking a few minutes ago about the talk that I, that I would give these graduate students about that mental, that emotional presence when you're, you're running on out to go and help somebody. Okay. Can you give us some insight of, of what you did when that person that you had to go run out there to is not just one of your athletes, but this is someone you're close to? How, how do you handle that? What are the things that you've got to bring together to handle that that moment i i have no clue yeah 
No, I, I mean, as an athletic trainer, when you're sitting there, uh, you know, 99% of the time, you're not really focused or watching the game, so to speak. I mean, it, it, when I'm sitting there, if you were to tap me in the shoulder and ask me, hey, Marco, what's the score? 99% of the time, I have no clue what the score is because I'm not really watching what the score is. I'm watching the players move, how they're functioning, their biomechanics, their kind of compensation, fatigue, all that sort. So a player goes down, and he, whether near us or far away, we come out, I kind of rushed over there. And as I'm rushing, as I'm running or, or sprinting or, or jogging, whatever, towards the, the injured athlete, I'm already assessing the scenario. Okay, is, is there blood? Is there, does it look like there's a bone sticking out? Is he, you know, what is, he, is going on with him or she? If right away I can see that there's no immediate emergency, you know, I don't have to go do a whole 911 kind of test case scenario. I know it's maybe an ankle sprain, bone's not sticking out, foot's not, you know, towards it, the other ankle kind of type thing. Then my first approach is, hey, you know what? I'm going straight to the athlete, to his mindset, to his head, talk to him first. Hey, what's going on? Calm down. Try to calm the athlete down. Ask a couple of questions. May not be even related to the injury. Maybe related. Hey, you know, we're here. You know, what's going on type of thing. Once I can kind of feel like I've, I've uh, kind of regained him, so to speak, because oftentimes when an injury occurs an athlete, the athlete's kind of like, oh my God, oh my God, and their head's going somewhere else. Oh my God, is my, is my career ending? How long am I going to be out for? Do I need surgery? I mean, these are all these questions I'm sure race through the athlete's mind. Once I feel I kind of have regained them for the focus and they're back, they're kind of with me, so to speak. Then we started to address, okay, what happened? What do you feel? Let me take a look at it. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, you know what? Let's, let's just get you. And, and yeah, obviously on, on the court, you don't want to do any assessment. You don't want to give any treatment and you don't want to do um, any uh, diagnosis. That's the last thing you want to do because then the player can go somewhere. Let's get you off the court. Let's get you back to the locker room. We'll sit down. And oftentimes we'll get him back to the locker room. And I may not do anything for like two, three minutes because the athlete is trying to just gather him or herself first. Hey, you know, you take some time, gather yourself. Again, as long as there's no major injury, there's no bone sticking or anything like that, then hey, you know what? Take a couple of minutes, gather yourself. Okay, now, now let's reconnect again. Let's start talking in. What's going on? What can we do? Um, and, and, but then again, it, it, it's one of those things where you kind of know your athletes. Other athletes will do that. They'll get up right away. There's been times where as, as I'm going onto the court, the athlete already knows what's going on. He, he or she gets up and it's already passes me. They're heading straight to the locker room. So then I got to go like change directions. And by the time I get in there, the athlete already has a shoe off. It's like, Mark, I just need my ankle retape. Okay, boom, let's retape you. Boom, you kind of go. Let's go. Thing. So it's different dynamic, different yeah. elements, depending on the case scenario. I can't, I can't even imagine. You, you know, this is this is where the inner Italian comes out, right? And, and, and what envisions in my mind when, when you're talking like this, you're, you're the chef. You're, you're the you're the you're the chef, and and you know the, the guy that I was referencing before, 25 years in, in the major leagues with baseball. Um, I remember the first day he had me in the clubhouse, and I was working with some of the some of the, the guys. I got there maybe about 45 minutes early, just to kind of you know figure what my way in and make sure I didn't get lost, mm-hmm. get into the, the the clubhouse and all that kind of stuff. And I got a chance to kind of just sit back. And watch him in action, and, and and I was there a little bit early before any, any of the guys had gotten there. And he was doing some treatment on on a couple of guys at the same time. And one of the things that impressed me the most, and I, and I just knew he was going to be someone that was going to be in my life forever, is the way that he he kind of conducted business in that training room space. And 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 long story really short, you know, after you know my day was done and his day was done, and we had a chance to get together afterwards. And he said, "So, so what did you think?" And I said to him, "I said you, you've created a kitchen." And he looked at me and he said, "What the hell are you talking about?" And I said, "You've created a kitchen." I said, "You know, in, in my culture, the kitchen is everything. Like everything happens in the kitchen. Right? We might have the dining room table in the living room, but everyone stands in the kitchen. Everyone hangs in the kitchen. The kitchen's everything." Right. And, and it becomes that spot where it's almost the most comfortable spot in the whole house, you know, next to the couch or the TV, maybe. But the kitchen is where it's the heart of the house. It's where all the big decisions are made. It's where big things happen. Right. Changes are made. Plans are made. Right. And I said, you've created a kitchen and you're the chef of the kitchen. And that, that's just how I see it, because everyone likes being in the kitchen and and you know besides having to do the the, the dishes <laughs> everyone loves going to the kitchen <laughs> right so you know this is this is kind of how i feel and the way you're making me feel you, 
is the environment that you've, you create when you're at work. Uh, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, or maybe I'm, you might think I'm just off on another planet, but I, I think it's no. you. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're 100% right. And, and that's the thing about it was kind of interesting is that it, it, it's funny is, is that if, if as an athletic trainer, if you create, like you said, your kitchen correctly, any facility that you go to, I don't care whether NFL, Major League Baseball, whatever it is, 99% of the time, the training room, whether players are hurt or not hurt, is the area of where everybody kind of gets together and hangs out and talks and chats. It's, it's kind of like the, 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 you know, and here's the funny part about it. You know, at the Lakers facility, they built this huge facility and they had a lounge. They had a whole TV lounge. They had a little garden area. But normally in any sports, you see all the athletes go hang out in the training room. And that's kind of like the, the safe area. Like I said, the kitchen, everybody chats, everybody shoots a breeze, everybody jokes, everybody makes jokes of everybody. Um, you know, everybody just kind of chats around and, and the mood is more relaxing, more relaxing in the training room. And that's where everybody, all the athletes kind of kind of go. So it, like I said, it, it becomes a, an environment of, like I said, the kitchen, you know, when you have your families, when you have people over for the holidays, everybody hangs out in the kitchen. Everybody's is, is talking in the kitchen. Everybody's chatting. Everybody's, you know, maybe drinking a little bit type of thing, but it's like the, the, the comfortable area type of thing. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. And, and, you know, maybe it's a Euro thing. Um, I don't know, but but there's just something warm about the kitchen, right? And, no, and uh, yeah, I, you just love to hang around. Even if you can't find a chair, it's all good. You lean on the couch. You're just standing there. Right? It's all good. It, it's, it, it really is. And, and, I, and, and in my experience, the people who create that atmosphere, they're the best. They're the best because... Uh, the guys feel comfortable. The athletes feel comfortable. It's an open environment. And, and it's just, I don't know. I, there's something about it. Maybe it's just the way that it, it looks, feels, smells, tastes. And that's the flavors I like. Um, mm-hmm. But the people who do what you do like that, they're the best. You, you, you've mentioned this keyword a lot. And it fits right into to, you know headset sports and, and what we're all about. And, and you know, we're all about helping athletes get focused, get centered, um, helping them perform at their best. But, but more importantly, we, we talk about creating a recipe since we're on that mm-hmm. topic, a recipe for success. And, and the one thing that we do with our program um, to kind of promote a little is, is we figure out with the athlete's help, A, what they need that best tastes and feels good to them. And B, we figure out um, from their input, some of the things that we need to add to and address and move onward throughout the season. And, and, and that's what we call it. So like a live program, just like someone putting in an order. I'd like it spicy. I'd like it medium. I'd like it hot, cold, whatever it may be. And I, I guess w- with all of this, we're trying to, t- to, to chime in and develop a mindset for that athlete on how he or she can mentally prepare, emotionally prepare before every time they play. So we can eliminate the guessing and give them more power and control of their game per se. And, and, and you've talked about that, that keyword uh, mindset. If I'm a young aspiring trainer in, in, in the works, how would you guide me? How would you train me on, on the term mindset to prepare myself to move forward into this field, into this environment? And, and, to that extent, even working with a pro, what, what advice would you give me with my mindset, in terms of my mindset, to go into your space and to go into your career path? What do I need to know? So, okay, so you know, it it it, it kind of goes back to the individual and and, and knowing your persona, your your individual, so to speak. So, what there's a, a kind of a webinar or a presentation I, I did uh, earlier this couple of months ago, about a year ago. That there's usually whenever you have an injury, whenever you have an athlete, there's there's three elements or three areas that you're looking at. You're looking at who, basically who the player is, what I'm gonna do with the athlete, meaning what kind of treatment am I gonna do? Am I gonna do ice? Am I gonna do heat? And then when am I gonna do it? Do I do it at the beginning of my treatment? Do I do it at the end of my treatment? It's a who, what, and and when type of thing. And 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 I have them in design where there's like you know three circles, like a little triangle type of thing. And the question is, well, which is more important? It's more important what I'm going to do with the athlete. When am I going to do it? Is, am I going to apply ice before? Am I should I apply heat because they're swelling? Blah blah. blah. But at the end of the day, I tell them is I think the who element is more important than 
the what and, and, and the when. And what it comes down to is knowing who your athlete is, what makes them tick, how do you make them tick, and how to approach it, especially when you're doing treatments or stuff like that. You know, if, if I have to get, and it, it, it kind of goes down to their mindset, their motivation, how, how can you motivate them? And, and it's funny, the first person that, that pops in my mind, um, obviously, uh, is Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, um, you know, he had a different way of motivating his teammates and how he motivated them. And we had a one player that, that came right off the bat that, that we traded for. I'm not going to say his name, but you're going to probably figure it out. He was from um, Barcelona, Spain. And, you know, Kobe, uh, when he first came on board, he would approach him a different way as far as trying to motivate him. And, you know, and what he was doing did, was not motivating him, was not making him take. So Kobe had to kind of quickly figure out, okay, well, and as a captain of the team and as a leader, he quickly figured out, okay, well, that's not helping me, help me motivate him. His mindset somewhere else different than I need to be. I need to help him in that part. And he was able to adapt and change too. And so as an athlete, like the way he did as an athletic trainer, you do the same thing as far as trying to figure out what makes it take what's going to make it motivated. Um, something simple as, you know, you know, it, it, there's so many aspects to the athlete with the individual. You know, we had a, an athlete from Croatia. He had never been out of Croatia. He came to the United States. We drafted him, um, making him feel at home, taking him for, for a couple of di- you know, dinners here and there or letting him know, you know, it got to the point that I went, I went as far as trying to learn Croatian myself so I, he can have somebody to communicate with or at least feel kind of welcome type of thing. Um, and, and that's, you know, it's, it, it's not part of my job to learn Croatian. It's not part of my resume to learn Croatian, but it was something that, that as an athletic trainer, um, I knew that in order to get to him, so to speak, and to make him feel part of the team and welcome as far as, like I said, the kitchen, that was what I had to do. And sometimes you, as an athletic trainer, you have to go outside your box and outside of your element. Yes, you did. I didn't learn, you know, learning Croatia in, in, in my undergrad school was not part of my curriculum. But hey, now I, I'm, you know, I'm the drive every day to work with Stone, learning Croatia. But you know, you know, I, I'm giving you a long distance hug right now. And, 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 yeah. and again, I, I might be saying this properly. I, I might be saying this unprofessionally so, so please forgive me if it comes out bad but but I think this is what makes you amazing I, I, because you know he, he, here, here's the deal I, I've said this a couple of times in, in, in our podcast with, with, with different people and, and, I, and I, I quote something that my grandfather used to say he'd say that you know um, anybody can do any job you can train anyone to do any job and, and, and a good employee comes to work does their job and away they go. Mm-hmm. But a great employee shows up 10 minutes early, does their job, doesn't complain, and at the end of the day, cleans up, takes out the trash, turns off the light, and locks the door. Which one do you want to be known for? And and you know that that kind of concept he took in, in, in a lot of parts of his life. And, and, and as a young kid, I was very lucky to, to be brought up by my grandparents for a good portion of my life. And, and you just learn, you, you learn that when you go to someone's house, there's something that's done. So for example, and I'm going to throw you into the bus and I know you're going to get this. If I invite you over for dinner, if I say, Marco, have you and your wife come on over and have dinner with my wife and I, what are you doing when you come on over to our house? If I say you just come on over for dinner, what are you going to do when you come to my house? I'm asking. Well, I mean, uh, as soon as I come into your house, it's basically I'm going to kind of follow your your um, your habits or your rituals, whatever they are. You know, oftentimes you know there'll be a place where if I, I'm going to someone's house, as soon as I walk, in, and I kind of do this because I do this in my house. I walk in. There's some some families where you know they have the shoes outside the door. They have the shoes type of thing. So my first reaction, without even hesitation, I'm gonna go ahead and take off my shoes and put them there because that is your environment. That is what what you want to do. I'm not gonna impose my will on you and say, "Hey, no, you know what? I want to keep my shoes on. I'm gonna walk around with shoes on." That's kind of my first reaction. You see, I, I you know, yeah, I, it, it, it's that. But you you hit it out of the park, home run. It, but it, it, it's also the mindset that that if you invite me over for dinner, I'm gonna ask you, is it red wine or white wine? And, and you're going to tell me, no, 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 no. Just come for dinner. But, but 
you're going to know no matter what you tell me, no, I'm bringing you something, right? Like, do, do, do you know enough to do that? Do, do you know, which is identical to taking your shoes off or keeping them on. Do you know enough to even look for that, right? You taking the time to, to go home and get Rosetta Stone and learn Croatian so you could make that person feel comfortable in their new environment, their new home. When you say we do everything to support our athletes, this is knowing to take your shoes off. This is knowing that if you don't know red or white, you buy both, you know? <laughs> when in doubt, go flowers, right? Like, but, but if, there's a lot of people, you and I both know a lot of people who don't even know that. They just don't know. And it doesn't mean that they're, they're, they're unintelligent or they're rude or they're crass or whatever it may be. They just don't know. They just don't know. I, I remember a million years ago in college, we had a scenario where one of the guys on our team lost his father. And, and we were getting ready to go on over for a big dinner and, and we were all going in caravan. And we, we basically are, I'm, I'm in the lead car of the guys who are driving and we're all flying to go to, to, to the house for dinner. And we pull off into a grocery store. And I remember all the guys giving it to me in the parking lot. Hey, we're going to be late. What are we doing at a grocery store? We're going to eat when we get there. And I was like, you guys are a bunch of meatheads. Give me 10 minutes, right? And I get out of the grocery store and, and, and I have a thing of flowers and, and a small cake. And they're like, what is he doing? And I'm like, just never mind. We get to the house and everyone pours out. And they're like, Jay, what were you thinking? We're an hour five minutes late. And I said, listen. <laughs> Do you think that we're all going to walk in there, eat for free, and not bring something? Yep. Not bring flowers? Not bring something? What are you thinking? Two years go by, year and a half goes by, and um, my older stepbrother passes away. And my big concern was the worry and anxiety of all these guys coming to the funeral. And it was so weird to the point where it made my mom and my dad laugh when 25 guys show up with flowers. <laughs> Some of them were the ugliest flowers on the planet, right? And you could tell that they all went to the same spot to buy flowers, right? <laughs> but but they learned from experience in that kitchen, right? They, they learned from that moment. Yeah. And some people, they just know and some people don't. And and that that's what makes you special. I got to ask you this, you know, you, you've talked about some of the, the challenging things on, on, on the mindset side. What can you tell us about the whole mental side of what you do when you're working with an athlete? Because that's our, our thing, the, the, the mental, emotional side of sport. But, but you, with, with some of the challenging scenarios you've probably had to deal with, what can you tell us about what some of those challenges are on the mental side of doing what you do? Um, you know, the... As far as trying to work with the athletes on, on the mental side, that's kind of one of the hardest things to try to kind of understand or grasp and kind of be able to really, uh, actually either relate over to the athletes and make them understand their mindset or the psychological factor is probably as important, if not probably more important than the physiological, physical factor of their body and what they're doing type thing. Um, and, and, and oftentimes it, it may be some of the, the smallest things. So, so I'll give you a, one example that just pops right in my head. We had an athlete um, that his wife was pregnant. And right before we go out to, to practice, he gets a call from her. I guess she and her best friend went to a um, nail salon place. And I guess she uh, happened to faint. Now she's pregnant, about seven, you know, seven months pregnant. So, of course, she's already freaking out with heck, practicing like a star type of thing. Um, so I'm like, hey, let me talk to her. So I, I talked to her on the phone. Hey, you know, what are your symptoms? What are you doing? How are you feeling? You know, she had already come out. She was just kind of sitting down. So I told the athlete, hey, you know what? Go do your practice. Okay, I'm going to call her doctor. I'm going to go communicate. And every five minutes, I would, you know, they would be on the court running up and down. I would walk out. And he, he, right as soon as I walk out, I'm to the court. He, 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 like, he, he sees me. I'm like, hey, we're good right now. So then he kind of went ahead and kept practicing. And then you know, I called our doctor. Hey, can you please talk to his wife? But both, we kind of, I connected all the dots, stuff like that, helped him out. At the end of the day, then he would come out. And, but every five minutes, I'd go, I'm like, everything's good. Then during a break, I went out, I went out and said, hey, this is what happened. She's good. She's at home. We got to ride and everything like that. 
And his mindset went from, you know, kind of crazy. Oh my God, what am I going to do? I can't practice. Like, which, which I get it. I mean, totally. I would be the same thing. But, but understanding, hey, his mindset's going crazy right now. Yes, he has to also practice. You know, it, it didn't seem it didn't seem like a life or death switch because it was life or death switch. Hey, dude, you got to go type thing. Um, but you know, kind of helping him in this mindset, getting him downtime thing was kind of a whole different thing. And you know, when it comes to the mindset, and when you ask me about the mindset, one of the biggest things that pops in my head, obviously, is Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson was considered the Zen master, and the one thing that I always, every time I think of this, it always kind of it's kind of stirred in my head. So Phil used to always have I wouldn't I wouldn't say issue with the players. But it always kind of bothered him a little bit that the players would always be um, with their headphones and then like with loud music, almost like rap or punk or rock music type of thing. His thing was like, hey, you know what? You guys should be listening to classical calm music. You know, his thing was like, hey, you know what? I get that the body has to, the blood has to be flowing. The blood, you know, the, the, you, you have to get a sweat going out because your, your blood, your blood, all the blood going to the to the muscles have to be active. You have to be going. But he's saying that's fine down here, but the mindset needs to be nice and calm and you, as calm as possible because you need to be in the right mindset, in the right thought process. You have to allow your brain to be able to think of what's going on in the game, be able to process this situation and be able to adjust to what you have to do. And that's one of the things about his system actually being the uh, the triangle is that, um, I don't know if many people know this, the triangle, it's almost like, like I tell everybody is that you have almost like five quarterbacks on the court, okay? The triangle consists, just like in the NFL or in college football, the quarterback, when he goes up and he sees the defense, he needs to be able to read it. He needs to be nice. He can't I go there and all, oh, my God, what am I kind of panic. He needs to be nice and calm, read the defense, and then do I need to make an option? Do I need to do an audible? I need to change it. Boom, like that. And then he change it up. That was the triangle system. The triangle system, there was no place. It was basically based on what the defense did. You had to adjust to it. And all five players on the court had to understand what was going on and be able to make the adjustment. So they have because if one player does not make the adjustment, then it throws off the whole entire thing. So that was his, his thing. He was always being in meditation. He was always being on the mindset, the mind, being calm. Yes, get your body ready. You got to get strong. Get the physiological aspect. You got to get blood flowing. But the mind has to be here and ready to function. Incredible. It, 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 it's, you know, I, I had a scenario that, that, growing up and in college the same thing happened to me and 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 what i mean by that is is i got into a desperate situation where nothing was working and i finally had someone sit me down and ask you know what are you doing in your day long story very short um what i was doing while i was in this desperate situation to try and figure out what my game was all about and how i could play my best and whatever I tried to go way back when, when things were good and try to recreate things that were working way back when. The problem was um, I'm 23 at the time, 22, 23, and I'm trying to apply things that worked when I was 15. And long and the short of it is, you know, when you're in college and you're playing division one sports, you know, you're showing up to games two and a half, three hours before time to get ready. Uh, games around two o'clock in the afternoon, uh, maybe on a Saturday or so. I'm up at seven and I'm listening to ACDC from seven o'clock to game time. And and I'm rocking out. And, I, and back then we didn't have the sports science that we have now. So I really wasn't into eating much because that's just going to make me feel good. And if I feel good, that's going to make me feel lazy. And if I feel lazy, I'm going to feel tired. If I feel tired and I get out there, I'm going to play like whatever, like grandpa. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you start getting ready to go out to play and you're in the locker room and it's like, oh my God, I am zapped right now. I get out for a 20 minute workout or warm up, sorry. And three minutes into the warm up, I'm spent. Like I'm done. I'm, I'm sweating. I'm, I'm, I'm hot. And I'm, I haven't even done anything yet. I haven't even listened to the first warm up song and I'm done. And I was like, what's wrong? And then sure enough, that's when I started working with the sports psychologist and with our team. And I started learning, hey, are you aware of the fact that, that mentally and emotionally you're playing at least two games before oh, yeah. the one at two o'clock? Had no clue, Marco. Had no clue. And, and, and I started having to be the guy that on the bus, I had to listen to the quiet, relaxing music on the bus. And then three minutes before game time, Let's rock and roll. Let's get it going, right? But no one had explained that science to me. No, no one had explained that. Hey, do you know this is what you're doing? 
right? And, and oh my God, what a game changer that was for me. Huge, huge. So I, I, I got to ask you this here. Um, memorable moments? Got to ask you this one with all the things that you've gone through. I'm uh-huh. curious to ask you this one because you've experienced so much 12 years with the leg show. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine the things you've experienced. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go with, uh, I'm gonna stick with, uh, with a memorable moment on the court. Um, I, I have to go uh, NBA Finals, Game 7, get to Boston Celtics. Not bad. I mean, that. Not bad. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I guess you can go. Not, not too shabby. <laughs> sure. So let me throw a curveball at you, right? Because yep. when I throw that, that meatball, I, there could be a million ways you answer that, right? But being the consummate pro you are, not surprised. Is it, and you don't have to give names because I don't want to yep. put you in a situation. But professionally, professionally, do you have a memorable moment that's like a home run for you? That's like a three pointer at the buzzer for you, or maybe somebody you helped extremely well. Yeah, and maybe yeah. got back to their game. Maybe because that, that's kind of your that's kind of your three pointer at the buzzer. No, one hundred percent. One of the one of the most memorable moments, and I guess more in, in joyful moments um, of for me, I had to do nothing with the game itself. It was at, at a practice, so I had just got hired with the. LA Lakers as their assistant athletic trainer. Now, now, keep in mind, while working with LA Sparks and working with the LA Defenders, um, our locker room was right across the hallway from the Lakers. So for the last two, three years, I had the opportunity to kind of uh, intern with them, help them during their summer camps, their training camps. So I was kind of around with the, with the athletes even before I kind of came on board with them. And um, there was one incident where, and it's kind of, kind of funny, which I, I kind of... Uh, Looking back at, it, I was kind of glad that when be, and when I became the head athletic trainer, Luke Walton also became the head coach, is because he was on the court. Well, this one he was playing. He was on the court and he had a knee issue, and he needed to get taped. And everybody else was kind of um, everybody was doing their thing. So I run out there and I treat him real quick. I tape him and stuff like that. And, and words out of his mouth were like, "Hey, you know what?" I said, "Thank you, Marco. I'm really glad you're here with us now." And um, that that kind of gave me a, a sense of hey, you know, I do belong here, even though it's my first year. I, you know, I, I, ha- I have something to offer yeah. um, to to provide to the team, and, and I'm part of this team, or this I'm, I'm one link of this whole entire chain, so to speak. Um, but at least I'm like, hey, at least I'm a link in this chain yeah. versus not being a link in the chain. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I really appreciate you know the comments he made. So like when I became the head of the training, and he was he became the head coach. That was kind of like hey, you know what. It was very meaningful to me. Wow, that's so huge. I mean, but you know, you you bring up against small nuggets of gold. You 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 drop in today, and 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 they're just such valuable valuable piece of insight where you talk about just the subtleties of everything, right? From it's the environment you create to the environment we share with people to just the subtlety of of and the strength of a subtle. Thanks for being here, or mm-hmm. you belong here. Or you're one of the guys, you're part of the team, you're one of the links. It means so much. It means so much. So I got, I got to switch gears here now. Now you are, are working with at least one major athlete uh, on a new venture, a really exciting right. venture. Can you share with us some of the, the, the insights of this new project that you are taking on, which I think are just phenomenal, by the way? Correct. So, you know, working in, in the NBA, working in arena football, working in, in every level, um, you know, we would have NBA tryouts. Also having the opportunity to work in the G League, so to speak. Uh, I've realized that, that there's been there's a lot of athletes out there that sometimes don't have access to an athletic trainer, so to speak, or have the opportunity of it. Yeah, if you're at, at a college, you have your athletic trainer. If you're at the pro level, obviously you have all these amenities, the services, type thing. But there's, there's plenty of either young kids um, with parents um, that don't are you know at AAU basketball they're at an AYSO soccer league type of thing and they don't have access to uh, access to an athletic trainer and then you have these athletes that have graduated college and they're kind of floating around they're trying to kind of get a job and stuff like that and oftentimes what I what I discovered is that many of them don't have medical insurance or if they do have medical insurance it may be one of those things where hey you know what. I go to the doctor because I sprained my ankle. Most of the time, the doctor will be like, hey, you know what? Stay out for three or four weeks, and then you'll be fine. 
But within those three or four weeks, what do they do? And there's so many opportunities or things that they can do to try to, you know, either rehab, speed up the process, so to speak, and be able to return to play in a safe manner. And what I came up with, the reason why is that, um, you know, being an athletic trainer and knowing a lot of people, I always get calls from parents all the time. Hey, Marco, my, my kid sprains ankle. What should he or she be doing? What brace should they, they be utilizing? And what I've decided to create is a website and an app where it's a one-stop shop for all these um, parents and all these athletes that are kind of in the, in the floating area, so to speak, that have that, that need this access, that, that need the services, or they need the advice or recommendation. And, you know, the one athlete that I was uh, song to, he was with the Lakers, and then after he left the Lakers, he played overseas. And, and athletes that have been in the NBA, they still play overseas. Sometimes they'll call me, hey, Marco, I'm in Israel, I'm over here. You know, my I sprained my knee, you know, they're saying this, what do you think type of thing. So it's more of a resource for, for all these, both the parents, the young athletes, the older athletes that are trying to find their way. Because at the end of the day, especially if you're an older athlete and you're trying to get a job and, and, and you have an issue, you have plantar fasciitis and tosinitis, and you miss, you miss a workout or you miss a tryout, that's an interview. That's that's a job. And, you know, that's an opportunity that, that you're missing out on that potentially, hey, if I can get on this team, I make this team, I can be exposed to somebody else. They may see me. I play great now. That will lead me to something else. There's been so many players that, that play in the NBA. They go play overseas. They get, get exposed. And some of them, they get a job and they come back. Um and there's scouts everywhere that are looking for these type of things. So, so what I'm trying to do is, is build a, a, a one-stop shop where all these individuals, parents, kids, um, athletes can go and, and, and get advice, you know, um, injury prevention protocols, anything like that, that can help them to try to kind of stay in the game, so to speak. You know, what I tell everybody is that even though I'm also a strength and conditioning specialist, or I can help you increase your speed, my goal is not only that, but to try to kind of keep you on the field and help you with anything that I can do. Oh, my God. I... I can't even begin to tell you how valuable what you're creating is going to be. I, I, I have way too many teammates that, that went overseas, mm-hmm. injury happened, communication problems, communication issues, uh, injury happens and, and, and you need second, third opinion. Where do you go for that, right? And heaven forbid, you need to try and track somebody down who knows you, who knows your injury, right? Who can provide some sort of not just diagnosis, but prognosis as to what's mm-hmm. going on and what's going to happen, right? I mean, the, 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 this is beyond, <laughs> this is beyond valuable. You know, my, my grandfather would say that, you know, the two most important people you need to know in life when you buy a home is a plumber and a locksmith. <laughs> right. So uh, you're providing both. And, and, and um, you know, I, I, I think of, of what you're, you're looking to create here. And wow, it's almost it's almost like, you know, and I have never I haven't even said this to you in a couple of conversations we're creating. It's almost like you're creating the passport for success for the athlete really is what is what you're doing, because that that passport is is everything that allows he or she to go on, pursue their career and know that uh, they can get access, <laughs> not back to the country, but access to you, access to the professionals that you have in, in your world that can say, wait a minute, no, this injury is something that can easily be rehabbed. This is something that's kind of happened before. We knew this was going to happen. We're not hiding it or whatever and can easily be rectified. Thus, allowing that individual to continue his or her career. Correct. Heaven forbid also saving them from unneeded um, surgery, false positive or false negative. I mean, oh my God. Now I'm, I'm brainstorming in front of you right now as yeah. about this. Oh my God. And, and, and a lot of times, and, and it kind of goes back to kind of when, when I was working with the athletes type of things, it's almost like a guidance type of thing, almost like a, a, a peace of mind, a reassurance, hey, you know, and, and a lot of times they, they, when they comment, that's all they want. Hey, Marco, I've been experiencing this. Is it, what do you think? No, it sounds like it's this and this and this. Why don't you try this and this and this? And then they'll try it. It's like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's, you know, it went away type of thing. Or no, you know what? I don't think you should be playing. I think maybe you should try to get a second opinion because if you continue it, it may lead to something else. And then they, and then what they do, they'll go to the doctor, they'll get an exam, and they're like, oh, yeah, Marco, 
So you told me that because he or she said that it's it's this, and if I kept playing, I could potentially make it worse, and then it can potentially you know in my career type of thing. So so it's it's one of those things where it, it, it's not just a peace of mind, but more than recommendation, advice, and guidance. You know, you're you're scaring me with so many memories right now, and 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 you just touched on something so huge with this. Um, how many athletes you know? That, that, that I couldn't hold a candle to you on this, that have accidentally um, pushed themselves out of fear, right. out of fear, right? Not, and just not knowing, right? The fear of unknowing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and not realizing where they're at with things where, as we all say in our life, at least 800 times, if I only would have known, if I only had a clue, right? If, if, if that individual could at least be empowered with, again, and I'm just making this up, that passport to you that says, hey, listen, I've got this bump, this lump, this this twinge, this whatever, and now have a team that they can go to. I think it's phenomenal. And, and you know where, where I think you're taking this to the, to the 10th power is what we're seeing in sports such as like golf, where, where they are now creating teams for that individual athlete. It's no longer the individual golfer going out there and, you know, he or she having their one person in their life called the caddy that knows their yeah. You're You're building a team. You're, you're sure. a team that, that works with you, right? But where I think you come in, and here could be another, another ooh-la-la-la for you, is, is and maybe here, here's the name, it's the Eagle Eye Passport, and I'll tell you where I go with this. Uh, about four and a half, five years ago, one of the biggest thrills in my life is I got a chance to spend two days um, in, in the training environment with with um, the, the, the team that's never lost, and that's the Navy SEALs. And um, on the first day, I got to do something that was like mind-blowing. And, and, and when we see each other, I'll show you my proof when, when we see each other. Um, and, and we, we went to the special place where one of the teams was training with our artillery shooting. And a couple of guys I was with, they jumped in and they got engaged into one of the, the, the drills right away with these incredible guns and, and whatnot. And I was happy just to kind of sit there and be there. And, and, and one of the, the head guys at the team had come over and said, hey, you know, why aren't you jumping in? And I said, well, I just kind of let the guys get in and get that excitement. And I, I'm kind of cool to just hang and watch. And, we started talking, more guys started coming around. Before you know it, there's similarities between myself and, and about five of these guys. And one of them says, hey, do you want to try the big daddy? And I'm like, big daddy. And it was right around then that, that amazing movie, American Sniper, had come out. And the guys are like, come with, come, come with us. Right? You're, you're going to try something, right? So they take me to this other side of the training um, uh, atmosphere, the training uh, field. And there's like this little hut and they're like, you're going to get a chance to try the big daddy. And, and here is the big 50 caliber gun, like the one in the movie. And, and the movie does it no justice. Like that thing is a beast. You need about 12 pygmies to carry that thing. I mean, the men that carry that, you have no idea how strong they must be to schlep that thing around. And so I get down and they're trying to teach me how to shoot. And they're like, have you ever shot a gun before? I'm like, yeah, I've been to fun station. And, uh, you know, the closest I've ever come is I beat a five-year-old girl in the water pistol game to make my pony get over, right? Uh, I've done nothing. So all of a sudden they're teaching me things and they're teaching me about the refraction, you know, don't look too close or you're going to cut yourself open for five stitches right above your eye, all this stuff, right? And, and I hit like dust bunnies because I'm having a hard time after the first five or six shots. I can't focus on, on looking through the two scopes, you got to look through two scopes to make this thing work, right? And, and I'm nervous. I got all these guys watching me. They're the best of the best on the planet. A little bit of pressure to not look like an idiot. Long story short, on, on my like 13th shot, I hit the target, right? And these guys go nuts. And, and, and what ends up happening is um, there's a guy who's sitting right beside me the whole time. And he's telling me a little bit higher, a little left, a little bit lower, right about there, let it go, whatever. And boom, I hit this target and, and 
the, I'm just jumping up and down. The guys are all cheering behind me and, and, and cause I'm like losing my mind. And meanwhile, what I've done is I haven't done anything special. I just basically hit a bus. That's about like two or three football fields down. Like I, it's not like I hit this speck of sand, right? I hit a bus is what I hit. Right. And, and I literally went to the guy afterwards after I'm hugging them and, and saying, thank you for this experience or whatever. And I said, you know, without you, I never would have done that. And I, I, I I would have done that. And, and one of the guys jumps in and says, well, that's what he does. He's the eagle eye. And I'm like, what? And then that's when they start explaining to me that, that those guys who are so amazing at what they do, they actually have a teammate that uh-huh. knows them so well and is their eagle eye. And that eagle eye would be Marco a little bit higher, take to the left, a little bit lower, because they just know you so well they know what to tell you to help make those adjustments and that's you you are are, are going to be that person who knows these athletes so well that that in times of need when they reach out with their passport to you per se you're going to be able to be their eagle eye and say hey listen a little to the left a little to the right you're going to be all right and this is what we need to do that's what i in my little brain that's how I envision some of the great things you're going to be doing. And, and I'm just so happy for you. I don't know if that gives you food for thought or, or no, that, that, you know, it's funny that my wheels are like spinning right now. They're not turning. They're like spinning. They're about to like, they're spinning so fast. They're about to break off. <laughs> right, 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 right. I, buddy, I, I say this to you. Um, I, I, I look forward to, to being a part of everything that you're doing. Um, and, and, and helping in any way I possibly can. And um, it's so exciting what you're doing. And, and this is why you and I talking while in a car could be dangerous because we could end up in, in, in New York in a blink of an eye. <laughs> you know, it, no, I, I, can, I can see that. It's so, it's, it's so funny that, that you say that. And part of the, like, say, you and I are the same, Charlie. Every time I get on the phone, I hate like sitting down. Mm-hmm. we had the conversation going on so it's interesting yeah yeah no 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 i i get it when, when you're in that mode i get it yeah. well listen i i can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy day i can't thank you enough for for sharing your insights i mean you're awesome and 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 i am so scared for our phone bill as we get together and spend more time together because it's going to be so much fun working with you and, and, and helping out any way we can. So thank you so much, buddy, for taking the time to, to chat with me today and on, on the Headset Sports Podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank you. You know, thank you for having me. And like I said, uh, I, I, I'm glad you reached out to me because like, like you said, as far as what I'm trying to build, what you guys offer, what Headset offers is just another element to it or another another chain to the link that I'm hoping to provide to the to these athletes whether younger or older whatever it is and, and sometimes they just need that that support that that chain that it kind of holds them together type of thing and, and that's what I'm trying to hopefully so, so you know supply to them and, and provide to them and and the more links they have to their chain the the, the more support stronger it's going to be the more tools in the toolbox the better right that's all we are yep. tool in the toolbox Buddy, thank you again. You're the best. You're the best. Thank you for having me.